Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV, on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benetara Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today we want to talk about spirituality, mindfulness, and even God in our homes. The topic came up as I witnessed parents defining and redefining traditional choices about God and or spirituality for their families and for very young children. Because Family Time has our home at B'nai Torah Congregation, we intersect with religious practices and traditions in a million beautiful ways. I see parents revisiting their childhood experiences as they explore what they want for their families. I also recently came across an article on mindfulness from the Berkeley Greater Good Science Center that said, according to a new study, mindfulness might lead to a happier, healthier parenting experience. So today we have four fabulous people at the square table with me today who make very intentional choices about their families. We have Emily Tech, Rachel Kaplan, and Sandy Goligowski. We also have Senior Rabbi David Steinhardt. From what I see, the choices they make about mindfulness and spirituality create different kinds of experiences for their children and different kinds of meaning in their family life and for themselves. And I, for one, want to know more about their choices. So Emily, I need you to go first, um, talking about yourself as a Jewish educator, as a mom, as a musician, and the kind of choices you've been making for your family. And tell us about Talia, too. All right. Well, I am glad to be here. My daughter, uh, Talia, is 14 months now. And um, before I was a mom, I was a Jewish educator, and I've been hanging out in religious and spiritual seeking circles for a long time. And I'm so, so grateful that I came into parenthood with a good decade of talking about God and talking about Judaism and talking about ritual, because it's really hard to do, and I can't imagine coming into this without that. Um, And I'm really grateful that we've settled on a couple of things that have been really meaningful for us. Um, One was accidental, but we took a picture of Talia's first Shabbat, at the dinner table, she was sitting in a bouncy. We got you know all these likes and all these comments, and now we post a picture before Shabbat starts or right as Shabbat is beginning. Um, every week, I think we're at week sixty-five now, and our whole community sees who we do. It's sort of a running joke, but what we've said is whoever has ever been in a Shabbos picture will be invited to her bat mitzvah. It's uh, our whole love Jewish it, love community, it, love it. and these are all the people that matter. Um, and the other thing that uh, has been really meaningful for us is the first diaper change of the day. I say the Hebrew 
prayer modaani, and then we just talk about what we're thankful for. Um, it's really changed because in the beginning, you know, I had slept for two hours and it was mayhem. So just me articulating things that made me feel grateful and that there was something bigger than me that I owed gratitude towards, um, I think changed my perspective on the day. And she's just starting in the past week, actually today she said bear. I'll always say, you know, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Is it your doggy? Is it the wind? And today, and I'm not sure exactly what she means, but now she has 10 words and she used one of them. So um, <laughs> those are a couple of the things that have really framed how we go about living that have been really great for us. And I love that you created those for yourselves from a whole wealth of experiences and traditions. Now I have to come back to many more questions and especially how Talia is experiencing this, what you're seeing she understands, and then I, my, my other big question for today is going to be how this changes you as parents. Um, but Rabbi can only be with us for another 15 minutes or so, um, and then he has an important obligation, so I'm going to let him go next. And um, first impressions, and then and or what you see or feel about God in the home and God for families, and especially young, young families who are just starting to define themselves in this way. Uh, let me begin with that, with the impressions, and I want to take it away from the specific framework of a Jewish tradition and speak about it in a more universal way and bring it through a memory. Um, I grew up in a generation where taking a ride in the car was a family activity. So now soon there's going to be driverless cars and it's totally you know, functional without the aesthetic that's involved. But when we take a ride in the car, we would go from our, our, our little city out into the country. And I have a very, very powerful recollection of my mother pointing things out. A beautiful tree, an extraordinary field, the changing colors of, a le of leaves or cows that were in the, um, you know, in the uh, pasture. And that, that is really mindfulness. That is, there should be an awareness of what you're seeing. What you're seeing is really beautiful. That then, by the way, there's a structure for that in the Jewish tradition in terms of the blessing um, in the morning saying, modani, you know, that works for that. And so what I think is that um, this sense of spirituality be, has to begin with um, uh, an awareness that comes from mindfulness. And that awareness that comes from mindfulness then has to, has to um, be articulated with gratitude. Yeah. So that uh, Cory Booker at the convention this week spoke about um, uh, meaningful life being grounded in gratitude. Yes. I think that was his line. And so that first there's the awareness. Then with the awareness, then you can hopefully develop a sense, oh, I'm really, this is a good thing, or this is really a necessary thing, or this is a beautiful thing. And then with that then can come, I'm grateful for that. You know, that changes the aesthetic, changes my, the sense of, of my relationship with the natural world or with the world around me, and then I can express great gra gratitude for that. And that, I think, is the essence of spirituality. And that it comes mm -hmm. with a structure mm -hmm. or an intention, because when, you're, when you describe that car and you're being present, you're present to things outside of that car and the awareness, but the other magic, I think, is the child is present to the parent and the parent is present to the child, and then something bigger than that moment happens 
in that space and time. And, and I just think, I'm so glad we're doing this conversation because I know it changes children, parents, and the world. So, Rachel, tell us, um, you have the next youngest child. Um, and, um, and, and I think that you overlap with Rabbi in your experience of the natural world. So tell us what your family is up to. So Hazel Glow is a year and three weeks old. Um, she's learning all kinds of new things, I think, every day. Um, and we just got back from a Wilderness Torah Training Institute in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and it was such an incredible thing for her to experience the redwood trees and all the incredible nature around there in community. Um, and really just, like, I, she was growing by leaps and bounds just being able to express herself in new ways and... She was talking to the birds and the dogs and the goats and the horses and everything. Now, is she in a backpack? Is she roaming? Tell she, us what this what this experience was like for a family. It was, well, it was actually an interest, uh, interesting challenge physically for her because there were lots of burrs on the ground. So she was wearing shoes for the first time. Um, so that was different. <laughs> it's huge. It's yeah. huge. I mean, just thinking about the logistics of a child having these experiences ha means we have to be open to those little risks and the uncertainty and yeah. the unknowing of giving them a new experience. Yeah, and actually there was, um, we were in a redwood forest right next to one. We were hiking through one, and um, there, when a big redwood tree, uh, we don't know these things in Florida necessarily, but... Uh, when it's cut down, these little redwood trees spring up all around it in a circle, and they call that a fairy ring. It's the, the technical term. Yeah. <laughs> it's from the Torah, too, right? <laughs> and um, these, these uh, boys had created this shelter in the fairy ring um, that they had slept in uh, maybe a year ago. And so I went into the, under this shelter in the fairy ring with Hazel and another girl who was three years old, and we were experiencing this, and it was just so amazing to witness the wonder and the awe. And her fav one of her favorite words is wow. And so <laughs> she's just like a wow machine. <laughs> a wow machine. <laughs> and to, to witness her being wowed by everything, um, it just it brings that spark back into my own awe and wonder at the world. And um, it's also like... But you gotta keep her alive through all this. Exactly, <laughs> help exactly. Her survive. And whenever my friends ask me, you know, about being a parent that don't have kids, I tell them it's like forced meditation, right? Because you have to be present all the time. Their lives depend on it. Um, well, it's it's a whole different experience if you are and if you are not. You know, so <laughs> I I highly encourage the daily parenting meditation. Um, two things, and then I want to get Sandy introduced. Um, one is that I just want to say the, the two of you are talking about preverbal children or children who aren't, you are not having these big conversations about meaning of life or just mm, ob observation, but it's, but it's still no less. And so I want everybody to feel really comfortable and confident that this starts at birth, if not before. And then the second is, um, my question for you is, um, what did you? What do you, as a, a first-time mom, want for Hazel Glow mm. and for your family? 
Um, I want to encourage her to explore everything that is making her wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's very good at communicating, even though she doesn't have her words, um, that she wants to, she'll point, that she wants to go over there and talk to the horse, or uh, she wants to go play with this balloon, or whatever it is. Um, And it's whenever she's, I'm leading her, helping her get to those places that she wants to explore, She's exploring more about herself and the world around her. Okay, so now we're on podcast 42, and we've been afraid of doing the God podcast that people would be uncomfortable somehow, that they don't like to talk about it, they feel pressure, they feel, un- they feel like, I don't know how to do this. And I'm going to give it back to Rabbi before I go to Sandy. Can we just say that this God spirituality intention embracing is really just about the wow is it just about being present being the wow i mean what's it mean for you i would say more than that uh for me it's it's experiencing the connection in all things and and seeing that there is wow in that okay and, the, and you had said the word community before as well. Emily, do you want to add anything to well, the... When you say wow, I always think of the term radical amazement, which is coined by um, an author and a, the- a philosopher, uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. And I think that is early childhood. And I think if we can all connect to the kids, then th- that's such a the kids are doing such a service to us as grown-ups because we can see that wow factor. And that's what opens up our eyes to realize the magnitude of the things that happen around us okay. every day. Yeah, I think that wow is so significant. It's the beginning. Actually, it's also the end. And so it's not, I wouldn't uh, in any way minimize it. It's really where the heart of wonder lies. And I think that God is found in different places and can be defined in all different ways and not defined at all. But the um, that sense of radical amazement and wonder and awe is really an essential dimension to it. So your capacity both to share the wow with Hazel, you know, and and with your children, and 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 to evoke the wow uh, is great. That's where that's where it starts, and the celebration of it when we witness it in our children around us. Sandy, um, please introduce yourself and tell us about how you come to this okay. great conversation. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Karen. And I've got two girls, Maya, who's seven, and Jada, who's almost four. And two completely different personalities. I thought when Jada was born, another Maya would pop out. And it's just about teaching them the tools and being present in the moment and going through it step by step. And, um, you know, if if Maya's stressed or anxiety, you know, we stop. We take a breath. We work through it. We talk about it. And then we bring her back to the moment, you know, how to work through it and overcome. You know, we do um, guided relaxations where to take that time to just chill out, you know, to take a moment, what we're going through and just let it flow and come back and we discuss it and we work through tools to help us to acknowledge what has been going on, how we can overcome it and what helps us. You know, also, like Rabbi said, when we're in the car, Maya, you know, with this age we're in, where's the movies I want? I'm bored in the car, and I always bring her to the present moment. And Jada, look out the window. Let's look at the beautiful nature. Let's be in the now. Let's experience it together. 
So it's all about the consciousness and it's all about the tools and it's beautiful when you see that the girls, you know, actually take the time then and use the tools when they're going through that moment in time. Absolutely. Before bed, we do the Shema together, you know, it's a beautiful, we all hold hands and on Shabbat we go and listen to the Torah reading and the girls go and kiss the Torah and they come back and they're just beaming of light you know energy and so when they use the tools that they've been taught it brings them to be conscious it brings them to be in that present moment and to appreciate and since go ahead Rabbi so I think that one of the essential tools is is what we would define in the broadest sense as ritual so there, there comes a time when a child gets older and not everything is new and not everything then evokes the wow, but it, we get involved in, the, in routine. And so ritual then provides a way to keep alive the wow, to remind us of that and to then bring us to another space that's beyond the material or place that's beyond the material and then connects to a different part of consciousness and to spirituality. Okay, and so before you leave, yeah. um, Rabbi, what I I words be here all day, do you? I understand. <laughs> we'll do more. We have. We're not done with this. Um, what do you want to say about parents who are afraid of the rituals, the traditions, or redefining it for themselves, um, and the the misconceptions about the place of this in family life? I think it's really important to learn. And that if they are afraid, then they should look at what it is that they're afraid of. And then they should begin with small steps. So if it's about, for example, reciting a bracha, a blessing, um, there could, it could be just the blessing when you wash your hand. What that does, what that blessing when you wash your hand does is it raises you from the physical act of washing your hand and it creates a sense of holiness in the act. So brachot, blessings, are really one of the vehicles that we have. When we say, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam HaMotzi Lecha Min then we become more than eating animals. We become spiritual beings who are eating and have an awareness that this food is something else. So that's what I would say. And I, I'm really sorry to have to leave. We so but appreciate the time you were able to give okay, us. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> I just, when I hear Rabbi speak, I'm just smiling. I am beaming. And it, it's like Sandy said, there's the light that just sparks and glows when we have these conversations and we give ourselves permission um, to find our way um, to make this our own. And, and I just... My worry, worry, worry is that in this commercial world, in this busy world, in this world where it's only about the to-do lists and the, the eating, the diaper changing, the get them to bed so that I can have a glass of wine, not that wine is bad, um, is that we, 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 take, we take something from ourselves and from our children that can keep us just in a, such a better place. So... Rachel, help. Go ahead. Um, the next, the next thought. Um, yeah. So when you say that, it just reminds me um, of times in my life when I've been freaking out, <laughs> and and also when when Hazel's freaking out about something, and I always remember, or I try to remember, a dear friend of mine and mentor and my bat mitzvah tutor, 
um, <laughs> Dave Schildkret, that he told me once when I was freaking out, go to nature. Yeah. And, and it always works. And so that's when Hazel can't find her center and she can't calm down and whatever it is that's bothering her, we take her outside we go to a tree. She she says hi to all the trees. <laughs> I can't and wait to meet her. I don't know Hazel. <laughs> and and I that feel cheated. <laughs> Ninety nine out of a hundred times that helps her center. Air, water, breezes, the wind, the trees. How? Tell us about the first few times that you did this for Hazel. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think we were doing it from the very beginning. Um, but it's it's for me. So there's this this term coined by Rabbi Nachman um, of I think he coined it heat bodedut, uh, which is to go to nature and or just to go out and be alone. Um, but he liked doing it in nature. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's you know whether you need to scream or or be silent or be in wonder of belief or whatever it is that allows space for that. Mm -hmm. And so just having that consciousness around taking her and just seeing how uh, immediately she can calm down, you know, her heart starts beating slower and it's um, it's like, I just, I, I thank God for the gift <laughs> of being allowed that connection and also having trees around us, you know, I, not everybody does. And oh, there so, was there was a, a thing on NPR yesterday that houses on tree people who live in houses on tree lined streets live three years longer. Yeah. It's like so, it's so yeah. it's just like really can't we just keep the trees? You know? And and there's also so many studies about nature connection yeah. and um, and how it influences our children and you know incidents of ADD and things like that. There's all these symptoms. Um, that we are surrounded by that tend to release and, and nature deficit yeah, disorder exactly. and um, and we, we did it two weeks ago in the family time classes it was no child left inside you know and and the pictures of children outside playing in the puddles and the rain and the humidity and that and there is a discomfort in nature mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's not always um, picture perfect it's got the burrs and it's got stuff and so that alone I think informs parenting and child um, messy life experiences perfectly mm -hmm. because you have to be adaptive and resilient and, and through those and so I think that the big messages that come from it um, are the ones we need to hear over and over and over so I guess my next question for everyone is, where's your holy places? Oh, but, but go ahead, say what you I were going to say. I want to continue with, you know, it all stems from the parent. And in that moment, you have that one little moment where you can be either proactive or reactive. And if we're in it as a mom or a dad, you know, we just want to ah, and join them. But it takes that extra second to stop and say, okay. And then to be to start by being proactive, and then you know stopping the situation and working with it, and working you know. with your own feelings and your own situation yeah. first. And 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 I will say, like we haven't said that you are the the yoga person, and <laughs> that you do have ladybug yoga, and that. But the thing that you've taught me over the years that I've had experiences with you in the classes with the girls, is that. Yes, you have the physical connection, you know, a body-mind-soul connection. 
But what I've also seen you do over the years is bring peace and bring heart, an open heart to the world. Um, that that really, it's it doesn't just keep it in the, I'm, I'm giving them the tools, which you do very, very well, but you also do it for some greater good out there beyond yourselves and your family. So um, you. there's a big connectivity to what I know you are doing with your girls. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's great. And then... Okay, so wait, yeah. me, I don't know if you meant this when you were saying it before about your girls yeah. being different. Um, is, is one of your daughters, um, um, you know, that it was, was Maya the one that was just so easy and she had the peace? Yes. <laughs> but then something happened um, that it was like, no, I can be the most peaceful parent in the world, but that doesn't mean my child isn't going to have that zero to 60 intensity. You know, each child comes with their own person. Go ahead. And so it's not always, you can't always control it, right? You can't always just decide, yeah, we're going to be peaceful today. Right. And you just have to go with it and go with the flow. And that's how you know which tools to bring in at that time. You know, um, so with a more volatile child, with a more intensive and reactive child, yes. a more assertive child, which is Jada. Yes, and she's very outgoing, like lets it out, lets you know, and she shows she's actually going through it and how tough it is at that moment for her to deal with it. So with her approach, you know, is completely different than Maya's approach. I need to go there with her and say it's okay you're going through this and let's you know discuss it and come up with solutions proactively how we can come through it on the other end you know right. being at peace right. peace is not um, a product of a static state <laughs> peace is something that um, I think it's always the process of, of peacemaking with go ahead well, when you're thinking about this, I'm thinking about how in my house I do a lot of sports casting. I think Magda Gerber called that. Mm -hmm. But it's just describing, oh, I see that you fell down and you feel very startled and now you have a lot to say. And I wonder if it would help you feel better if I handed you this toy or if you'd like a hug. And you know what? I felt worried when I... But it's the same thing for a pre-verbal kid and it's that's the mindfulness piece that's extracting the emotional piece and just observing it. And it's been incredible for Talia and her articulation, but it's also done wonders for my relationship. <laughs> because we're sitting in our house and we're just observing what's going on. And oh, my husband will say, well, I thought this happened. And I'll say, well, I thought that happened. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let's figure out what really happened. Or let's each process our own feelings about our own perceptions, because they're not always the same. And Talia's just like, Okay, <laughs> but it's it's that it's that mindfulness piece, and I, I don't I don't know if Magda Gerber was thinking about mindfulness and meditation and awareness when she said it, but um, it's just it's one of those win 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 things, and it's that tool, and and I've noticed that kids who I'm around a lot, you know, good friends of mine, kids will sometimes pick up on it and start it almost immediately. Oh, did you see the baby did this, and then this happened? I wonder if this is gonna happen or this is gonna happen, and it's it's just such a powerful tool and it's so easy and it helps their verbal skills and it helps them like it, it's just it's a it's such a gift that um I hope that other parents are able to practice because once you start you kind of can't stop now I just narrate everything in my life yeah also another part of who you are Emily is your music yes how does music inform this um that's a great question and I'm not sure I totally know the answer or maybe it's that the answer just changes 
so rapidly. Um, so we definitely have, you know, sort of, I have a Spotify playlist for like literally everything, like gentle hands playlist, going to sleep playlist, going, taking a bath playlist. So I feel like the, the, cause to me, I connect to lyrics in music, whereas I know a lot of other people connect to other elements. So I think the beauty of today and technology and the way we can access music is you know, I need a up-tempo song that has a lyrical message about X, Y, and Z, and that's going to change, that's going to help me evolve to where I want to get to. And for someone else, well, they need a, you know, they like cellos, and they want to have a, whatever it is. So, like, all of those options are there. Um, but I think with the, the piece that the music can offer, which isn't necessarily directly the spirituality or the God piece, but it connects people to one another. Mm -hmm. And so we're all sort of on the same page and we know that, you know, our heart rates sink, our hormones surge, like everything that happens. If we started singing a song together right now, we would be connected in a more meaningful way than we are at the moment. So um, I think that's it. And also that, you know, we do Shema every night and probably Talia was six or seven months old where she'd, she'd just match tone. And so we'd sing Shema and she'd go... Ah, and that's still all she does. She just goes, ah, but she'll do it in synagogue too. And the people will be like, she's reciting. I'm like, she's on, she's just saying, ah, you know, but she's matching us. And I think that those, you don't have to be verbal to connect musically because you can clap your hands, you can tap your toes. So I also think the whole spectrum of development is a way we can see each other and we can engage with one another in a way that just warms everybody's heart. And why would we not use that simple, available, doesn't cost anything, you know, it's such a, it's a tool. So whether it's body, music, nature, I mean, the way I sort of see it is, I mean, I guess all of this is about the, the connection, a connection within ourselves, a connection to each other within the family, a connection to everyone that we share experiences with, including these communities that are here to embrace us. And then to maybe something bigger than ourselves. And and that's the part that matters so much to me because I just feel like if you the parenting is so isolating and so lonely that if we don't find a way to make those connections, in whatever way that connection shows up for each of us, um, then the struggle is just too monumental. And so um, I'm glad that you guys have shown us a way to take this and make it personal for your lives. And we have to remember that children are so pure and open and they thrive off of all these tools, you know, the music, nature, breathing, relaxation, yoga poses. And we have to, you know, as a parent, you know, just flow with it, even though we are all built up and caught up. They're just pure. They want it, they need it, they use it, and they thrive off of these tools. So to always remember that they just keep them pure as long as we can and introduce and let them have these tools down packed for when they do grow up, you know, academically and socially what they're going to go through their tests, they have it and they can use those tools in those times. Absolutely. So there's so much more. I mean, my, my big question that I didn't ask is, is the how this, your choices that you make in your families, changes your children for the better and changes you for the better. But I'll let you choose how to, if, in, in any which way, if, you, if that, some of that is relevant for the wrap-up, because um, we're out of time. But the idea of how have you got this? How have you got this 
in a way that works for you, for right here, for right now, for your families, for your children, and for yourselves. Sandy? Um, I still, you know, in that moment have that choice of being reactive or proactive, but I know when I am proactive and we go, you know, we take those steps, we feel more united, we feel more at peace, and we're happier as a family, you know, and the kids are happier, we're happier, and I know it's, you know. Does that mean you're taking care of yourself daily? Yes, definitely. I think that's the other thing that that has to matter, whether through the spirituality, the mindfulness, the meditation, the present, it's constant and it's daily. Yes. Moment, moment. Yeah. Emily? Um, I think for me, just being really comfortable knowing that there's a developmental spectrum to all of this for each one of us and knowing that it's not, you know, I believe this about God and this is how we practice our religion and this is how it should be for all of us. Like for each member of our family, it's different. Um, and that's, and, and I feel like that gives us the room to change our minds and to reflect on that. And that makes me feel confident because I, I can't, I can't fail. I'm just maybe going to make a different choice about the direction I take after I collect some more information. And that's true about parenting in general, but there's some areas where I feel like I shouldn't fail. There's like this pressure. If I, you know, if I did, if I didn't give her protein all day, I'd be like, oh my God, I did, you know, that, that, but in this arena, it's really comfortable to, um, just know that it's, it's all changing and it's all growing and that's the best way for it to be the most meaningful part of our lives. I, I don't like to ask questions during the wrap-up, but I'm, I'm just not finished. So does that mean that in some ways you have doubts as you, in the, in the I can't fail in, in the choices I make? Do, is, that, is that something that there's a real self-awareness about? That, um, like, this I don't is, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a very specific... Well, I'll tell you that, right, so we are expecting another child in February, and we're very excited about it, and we don't know the gender. We didn't know with Talia either. But if we had... If if Talia was a boy, we'd had a bris on the eighth day, because that's what Jewish people do. But we are having this conversation now where, as a mom, I've been so uncomfortable with the process and the ritual, and we've been having this conversation with our families where, you know, like, we want to balance. We'll probably not do a bris. We'll probably have a baby naming. We'll probably do the procedure in a doctor's office it's a different choice that we're gonna make because we had a different experience it's a great example and we we had the conversation with both sets of our parents and aunts and uncles because you you know we had two j's ready to go in case it was a boy last time and this time it's different so it's and i don't know that i would have regretted it if we had done it the way if she had been a boy but now i have more information so now and the fact that we've had the conversation that everyone in our family is having the conversation like that's modeling to the family how we want to live as spiritual, religious, community-oriented people. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Rachel, uh, <clears throat> have you got this? <laughs> have I got this? You mentioned before, you know, this uh, kind of fear or, you know, accessibility of, of, of God and, and how do we incorporate this. Um, and, you know... In a perfect world, I want to be saying blessings over my food every time I eat with Hazel um, and showing, oh, this is like where this food comes from and that's why we have this blessing and, you know, doing that all the time and it it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> um, and also, you know, there's there's so many different words for God and, and that connection to, you know, that 
spirituality or spirit that, you know, isn't so tangible that, you know, um, and I think for a lot of people using like the word God is, is kind of, uh, it precludes them from getting connection to something else. And so, you know, for me, everything changed for me when a counselor of mine, um, showed me the shaman sign language which uh, Shema, you know, hero Israel, Lord our God, Lord is one, um, one Chad. So usually you would translate, and again, like Lord is another word that people might have negative associations with. You can use any word there. But one... You know I'm going to videotape you after we finish okay, this. Okay, great. <laughs> so one, usually, you know, you would hold one finger up. That's one. And so growing up, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, God is like this dude that lives in a cloud in the sky, and, and that's what it is. And she changed the word um, to echad with fingers interlocking, your thumb and forefinger of both hands interlocking um, with the Infinity. rest of... Oh. Yeah, with the rest of the fingers sparking outward. And yeah, it looks like this infinity sign. And for me, that changed everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait... Oh, okay, so maybe there's like a little spark of this God in everything, and we're all connected to it. Um, and so now when I say the Shema to my daughter, I have that in me. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm this forced meditation, I have to go there. <laughs> um, and it's beautiful, but also, you know, even when I'm not doing that, um, in the car, Okay, when she's freaking out. <laughs> she freaks out sometimes. She has a long drive every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I end up shaloming. Like, I don't know if you ohm in your, in your uh, yoga classes, but I end up toning shalom. And even just that, like, if that's all I do in the course of a day, um, that brings me back to my center and everybody around us, so... Mm-hmm. It works wonders. <laughs> Moms, you got this. And I thank you for sharing. And I thank you for reminding us that we can start anywhere, we can be anywhere, and it's all good. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.